Hi everyone, and uh, welcome again to Ecclesia. Um, my name's Bertram, and I'm one of, the, one of those responsible for things around here, not excluding us as a fellowship of believers. Have we got more people in, outside than inside? <laughs> I haven't even started talking yet, and they're gone. <laughs> well, um, let me first use this opportunity to say uh, to thank you as a church for your prayers and support during my, I don't know what to say, recent illness. It's been a while now. And because um, at that time, what happened? My appendix packed up on me and it had to be uh, removed surgically. But I appreciated and felt your support and your prayers for my health and uh, for my family through that time. But thank you very much. And I pray that um, you likewise know the power of God to help and deliver through such times. Um, well, until that time, until that experience, you know, I just, up until then, I just knew from secondary school biology that, you know, an appendix existed in the body. And medics still say it's an, it's, it isn't a significant part of the body. Um, as people can live without it, you know? I don't know more than they, but if it was important enough to infect my bowel linings and take me down out of work for weeks, I mean, I think it is somewhat important. At least it has some effect on the body if it doesn't work properly. All that to say, um, it really could be, though a small part of the body quite an important one. And talking about the church, you all are important. You're all important parts of the body. You know, you may think, I don't do a lot as a member of the church, or I'm not even a member of this church, but I'm a Christian. You know, I don't have a particular function here. I just come and go. But um, the truth is, if God has added you to the church, we are all in his body. Uh, and in this body of Christ, we have a part to play in declaring and defending the, th the truth. No matter how small you think a part is that you play in the body. Um, you see, when we look in... Um, Romans chapter 12. Let me see. All right, the first Corinthians chapter 12. I've got that up on screen. I, can we all see that? Or is it very, very small? It's very, very small. All right, I beg your pardon. But the key thing here is this. The point being made in this um, letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth is this, that God has made the body with so many different parts. There's no part that's insignificant. Even the smallest parts uh, of the body, they have significance in it, and God has given those parts um, some role to play in the body. Forgive the poor visual aids again. Um, just like Mikey was saying last week, <laughs> That's his once-in-a-year slot. And so 
forgive me for um, the, the, the poor practice on this with the visuals. I could have done better without that. Well, here's a purpose to think about for what we're looking at today. Even if you think I'm too small to declare the truth of the gospel, I don't know a lot to say. Um, to declare the truth or even to defend it, allow me today to share a game plan for even the smallest of us. No matter how small you think you are, no matter how insignificant you think we are in the body of Christ, that we can use when sharing or defending our faith. Should I start off taking it for granted that we all are Christians here? Maybe, maybe not. But if you are a believer or you hold to the conviction that Jesus is Christ and that without him you have no hope of finding rest in God, then this is relevant for you. Um, so far in this series on sharing the good news about Jesus, we've been introduced to the subject. Byron introduced us to it. We've been called to be bold about it. I mean, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, Joel Turner did a great job of um, encouraging us to uh, be bold about our conviction. And um, last week, Mikey P., Michael Prendergast, took us through uh, a method of sharing the gospel. And uh, if you were here on Thursday, as Pastor Ephraim was just sharing in the announcements, gave us a lot of aids and instruction on how we could go about doing this practically. So, I'm here today. What more can I say? What more can I add or share to what's already been shared? But since this is even for the least of us, the very least of us, those of us who think, well, I'm not so much and I haven't got really anything to say. Let me bring you in on what I'm doing here today. In 2009, there's a brother called Greg Kokel. Mike knows this guy. <laughs> and he shakes his head in, oh, disapproval. <laughs> a brother called Greg Kokel, some of you may know that name already, published a book called Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions. Um, it's available on uh, Amazon. It's available on Kindle. You can actually, as soon as you step out the door, you can just go buy it, download it to your phone. I tell you what, I found this resource a very, very, um, quite a good tool to help any believer, any believer at all, engage in a meaningful discussion about our faith in Jesus Christ. As um, Lee Strobel, who's another um, well-known guy for uh, uh, a well-known Christian apologist. He says, there are plenty of resources that help Christians understand what they believe and why they believe it. And certainly those are vitally important, but it's equally crucial to know how to engage in a meaningful dialogue with a skeptic or a person from another religious viewpoint. 
And I tell you what, I think that last phrase aptly describes our day. If you ever come out to Lewisham or you don't even have to come out to Lewisham to, to experience this. You just get to work someday and you're by the, um, by the uh, percolator or the, or, the, or the water faucet and you're working in a place where there's people of other convictions. You might have just walked into one of those conversations where it's, it, it just feels like, wow, this is an ambush. You hear, oh man, they're not talking to you, they're just talking among themselves. Man, don't mind all these churches, man. It's all about business. These guys are just in it for the money. And you're like, mm, uh, you know, you get that, that burning within you to say something. What do you say at those times? It's kind of like there's a window, there's an opportunity, but it seems like it's hostile. Already, they're throwing about stuff that says what you believe is nonsense what you believe is rubbish fairy tales oh yeah they just write up stuff to make it fit the church and all that i mean whoever was around when um what's that guy's name is it dan brown darren darren brown dan brown not darren brown dan brown wrote the book the da vinci code is it da vinci code Whoever was around when that book came out. I mean, almost every passenger on the tube or trains reading the book. And, and, you know, social media was just hot with, oh, never mind the church. Yeah, they got these books, hidden books and books that were just hidden away so that people would be brainwashed into thinking Christianity is true. So that aptly describes our environment, the environment into which we uh, I don't want to say our throne as believers, but that is where we have to share our convictions. No wonder, no wonder, um, it's important for us to just come up with a strategy or know how we're going to go about doing this. So, Byron's already shared with us. Joel challenged us, actually. Go out this week and share with someone. I'm sure Mikey did share with us. Take a tract. You know, if you're talking to somebody and they say, oh, well, never mind. I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I've not yet gotten round to it. He's got round to it to give people to say, here, here's a round to it. You can now, now get to the gospel. Think about Jesus Christ. We need to drive this point home again and again because here's what could happen. Since the last, over the last three weeks since we got charged, we might have chosen to do a Gideon or a Jonah on ourselves. Opportunities like I just described, people saying, oh, the Bible's all just a bunch of fairy tales. We could hear that and decide, nah, I don't want to get involved in this, man. It's a bit too hot. There's nothing for me to say. I can't say anything and they will not just say, ambush me, crucify me, possibly hand me over to management saying I'm preaching religious views at work or something of the sorts. They could gang up against me like Daniel's colleagues at work and say, hey, this guy was praying with a client, you know? But we've got to share our convictions. Those convictions are not just for home or the bedroom or Sunday morning. 
or Sunday after the grace. All community group and Sunday. All community group Sunday and Tuesday. It's for all time. It is for all time. Because it gets increasingly hostile, as you will see. Let's not do a Jonah on ourselves. Let's not think our knowledge is so small we can't really say anything. Or we tell God how horrible the people are, you know, that he wants us to preach to. So, again, these kinds of things happen. We encounter people who will tell us, I'm an atheist, or I don't believe anything. Both Jesus and Muhammad are all the same. All lead to God. We've got to have a response for these things. We've got to have a strategy, a game plan to help us um, seize those opportunities that are disguised in, in, in a hostile environment where we actually dwell. It's not a coincidence that God should place us in an environment such as this, because here is where um, the light of Jesus Christ is needed. Remember the charge of Jesus Christ. Let your light so shine that man may see your good work and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So, let's pray. Let me turn, turn with me please to Colossians chapter 4. I'm just going to read from, or pray actually, based on um, a couple of verses there as we get into the message for today. Colossians chapter 4. Just turn to Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 2. So the prayer is this. Um, Colossians chapter 4, I'm reading from verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which... I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You see, Father, we just pray that um, even as opportunities, as I've described, present themselves, whether they be hostile, whether they be friendly inquiries, whether they be um, questions from people actually seeking Christ, Lord, I pray, give us the utterance to speak. May we speak and not be silent. May we um, speak about Jesus Christ, and may we proclaim the message clearly as we should, and not beat about the bush. 
May we also um, live and conduct ourselves wisely, even in this context, in London, in our places of work, wherever that be, whether they have a policy of, um, whether they have an unwritten policy of keep your faith at home or not. May we speak boldly, even amongst those who are not believers. May we make the most of every opportunity. Make our speech gracious. Make it attractive. Make it such that the response we give is apt for those we speak to. Every time. Thank you, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Reflecting on what we just prayed, I've highlighted some of the points on board. Um, what can we do with these opportunities when they arise? What can we do with them when they arise? Um, we really do pray that, boy, when those inopportune opportunities come up, boy, the Bible is just a bunch of fairy tales. We want to have something to say. But do we have to dig deep and far and reach? Boy, let's, what, what was that thing that um, Brother Richard shared the other day about theodicies or, you know, or something deep and far and highfalutin? Do we have to go to those extents of things we don't even know about to, to give a response to such opportunities? Do we have to get on the phone and say, Pastor E, I've got a guy here who says there is no God. What do I say to him? <laughs> Maybe he'd be gone before, you, before the phone even finished ringing through, you know. <laughs> but what do we do? The first part of uh, the game plan that um, Brother Greg shares in his book is really very simple to understand and to use, even when you're not trying to push a point at all even when you're not trying to push a point at all. But look at what we prayed. How do we go about it? Here's a, here's a frame of mind to have. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every, every opportunity. We can seize those opportunities, you know, and we can use them. And let's get very practical. What do some of these opportunities look like nowadays? How many people here on social media Hands up. Oh, come on, Ecclesia. You can do better than this. How many people on social media? Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram? Let me see those hands. Raise them high. I ain't, I ain't judging nobody. Come on. Even the most conservative. You go there once in six months. Hey. <laughs> come on. <laughs> All right. You go there. And the opportunities could look like social media rants about the ills of the church. You know, or the existence of God or not, and things I've already mentioned. Guess what? There's opportunities as well. You could be sitting down at home with family and watching a TV show where the jokes are always on God or the Christians. And you're there with people who probably buy the worldview being pushed from that screen, right? Hello? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Is this making sense? Yeah. Cool. You know, TV and media programs pushing an alternate worldview. And it's, not, and it's not like all these opportunities just line up 
and stand with you on a street corner to give you time to explain and, you know, explain creation for redemption, restoration. Like you have, a, you know, some, something you've memorized and they're all waiting there for you to give them the full spiel. No, not necessarily. Get this as well, and I think I've described this, and maybe I'm beating that horse too hard, but apart from this, there's militant humanist and atheist campaigns that actively promote the notion that Christianity and other belief in spiritual things has no place whatsoever in the public square. Right? And that's where we're being sent out into. Have that in mind. <laughs> we must seize the opportunities, but then look at us. We've got to go out as like sheep among wolves. I tell you what, the first impression I, I, I got when I saw this was like, Jesus, what are you talking about? <laughs> sheep among wolves. I mean, I saw this image. I thought, no, this would be just, just stretching the truth too far. You know, just this lone sheep on this big wild park with wolves all snarling and drooling, ready to, you know, eat that sheep up all by itself. But of course, don't forget, the sheep don't go out alone. They've got the shepherd with them, right? Hello? Amen. So we go out like sheep among wolves with a shepherd, Jesus Christ with us. And we can seize those opportunities. All right? So what approach? It's like I'm drawing this out too long now, right? Tell us what it is, Bertram. <laughs> Topical issue of the day. Donald Trump and uh, what's his name? Kim Jong-un? Kim Jong-un or whatever, or United States and North Korea? Ah, everybody knows about that. It's of concern to us, even though we're not directly involved. We don't want... How many of you want a nuclear war? I don't see any hands coming up. How many of you think North Korea should be taught to keep his toys in his, in his basket? Hands up. Whoa, I saw one hand go up. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I don't think anybody's looking for a war, an all-out military, full-scale military action, you know. But here's what Jesus is telling us to do. It, we're, we're looking for diplomacy here. Everybody's hoping that, uh, what's his name, is it Rex or Roy Tillerson, gets some breakthrough and he manages to have some secret meeting with, the, with whatever the ruling council is in North Korea and they get to settle things and there's <sighs> peace. So, going out in this hostile environment as sheep among wolves. Look at, what, look at the second part of this statement. Jesus tells us to be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. So we ain't, ain't going to fire a single devastating nuke to take the one who we're trying to bring to Christ out. Take them out completely. Don't care if they go to hell. 
Let's tell them you're going to hell if you don't believe. I'm not sure how much of a success you'll get with that. You know, you might leave a very distasteful impression about Christ. But for each opportunity, we must act wisely considering what game plan is best suited. So let's consider some roles very quickly. I'm mindful of time. This is so, I'll tell you what, this is so simple. You will be surprised at the end of it all how simple this is. So, John shares um, an account of Jesus meeting this Samaritan woman, right? And, okay, this is a bit more legible. <laughs> In John chapter 4, and Jesus is going through, he does it on a stopover in Samaria. He talks with this Samaritan woman at Jacob's well about the Messiah and about salvation. She's excited and goes and tells the townspeople. Meanwhile, disciples have gone to get some food. Coming back, as they return, Jesus has some things to say to the disciples. And I'll highlight quickly what, what's important there. There's some roles to just bear in mind in God's business, in God's farmhouse. This may be encouraging for some of us who, for those of us who, Think with disappointment. Oh, I didn't get that guy to say the sinner's prayer. Or I didn't get that guy to actually believe in Jesus Christ or come and confess that he believes in Christ or anything. Look at what I've highlighted. Read it with me, please. And just emphasize um, the things that, that I emphasize. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say... Wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and the other harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. There are some roles there. What roles are there? Planters and harvesters. Which would you say you are? None? Hey. <laughs> i got a few responses here, both. Okay, some are not involved. <laughs> oh, okay, give you some tools to get involved, all right? Let's do this. Okay, the key to this is this. One, I mean, maybe, maybe it may have been all along the, the why we're not getting involved or why we don't want to get involved is, oh, I can't convert this person, man. Their face looks very stern. They're going to tell me off. They're going to tell me there's no God. I wouldn't have an answer. But the key to this is, as we said with, as we hope with US and um, North Korea, is diplomacy. The key to this is the believer goes on the offensive in an inoffensive way. 
in an inoffensive way, using carefully selected questions to push the gospel forward. And in that, you're planting, you're actually planting seeds that you will find somebody eventually will come around to say, hey, you know what? Those things you were saying to me the other day, bro, it worked. Tell you a quick story. I don't know how many of you know um, Pastor Chuck Swindle. You ever heard of him? Insight for Living. So he had a brief tour in the Marines back in the, uh, during the Vietnam War. And he had this bunkmate who was not a believer. He was a believer, right? And what did he do with this bunkmate? The guy told him straight up, first of all, Swindle, look. Don't try to pull any of your Christian stuff on me, all right? I'm not interested. I don't want to hear about it at all. So what did Swindoll do? <laughs> he said, all right, mate, I, 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 I'll, I'll respect that. I'll honor that, okay? But I'm just doing a bit of Bible memorization, and I want you to help me, okay? <laughs> you know what he did. And then he, start, he plays it on this guy. He gives the guy the Bible. He says, all right, um, buddy, help me. Uh, I'm trying to see if I've memorized John 3.16. And he goes, um, for, for, the guy goes, God. <laughs> for God so uh, loved. <laughs> and he's prompting him, but he's got the guy to memorize scripture. And it wasn't until over 20 years later, he gets a phone call from this guy when they finish the Marine service, and the guy picks up the phone, and he says, hey, swindle. And, he, and who is it? His bunkmate from Okinawa, and tells him it worked. <laughs> <laughs> All those Bible memorizations you pulled off of me worked, and told him how he came to Christ. All right? This is slightly different. So, what do we do or how do we go about, how do we go on the offensive in an inoffensive way? I've given you examples of things that people say and claims that people make, opportunities that seem hostile, that present themselves as being opposed to the gospel. And we can use questions to... Um, advance the gospel here. So, what's one of the first questions that we could use to advance the gospel in such opportunities? Can anybody read that with me? What do you mean by that? So, give you an example. Last time we went out, um, not that I go out all the time, <laughs> to Lewisham, I bump into Ranjan and his friend, uh, I can't remember his friend's name, Afzad or something like that. Two Muslim guys. Ranjan is visiting from Germany and Mikey P is blaring out over the, micro, over the mic. If you're a good person, anybody, if you can prove you're a good person, come out here and I'll give you 100 pounds. <laughs> and Ranjan and his friend over there are like, no, we're not good people. 
they're not interested. But I woke up to Ranjan afterwards. Oh, guys, thanks for participating, by the way. You know, and um, tried to start a conversation about Christ. And Ranjan tells me, well, you know, all religion, they're the same. Yeah? We, we Muslims, you Christians, we believe Muhammad, you believe Jesus, all of them messenger of God. That's my uh, <laughs> trying to put on Ranjan's accent. All of them messenger of God. And I'm like, what do you think I asked Ranjan? Ranjan's like, see, Jesus, Muhammad, they all same. His friend is, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, Ranjan, uh, Afzal, what does he mean by that? <laughs> but guess what happens when you ask a question like that to such a challenge to the gospel? Anybody? You get somebody thinking about what they're saying. Even if that's all you do, guess what? You've dropped a seed in the ground to cause this person to question what they think is true. I'm like, what does he mean by that? And Abzal's like, uh, Ranjan? And he goes into speaking their language. I'm, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then Ranjan comes off saying, yeah, you say Jesus God. We know say Jesus God. Jesus, messenger. Muhammad, messenger. I said, so they're not the same then. <laughs> and he's like, well, you see, them, they all prophet, one God. You say God, three. We say one God. I'm like, what do you mean by that? But of course, it was such a small window, such a small opportunity, and guess who went away talking? Ranjan and Afzad talking about whether or not we believe the same thing about God. They actually did go away. They actually asked me for a tract. I said, here, this explains what we're talking about. You go and think about it. We don't believe the same thing, mate. You go and check out this Jesus. Thankfully, what you believe affirms Jesus. If it does, guess what? You say Islam's true. I say Christianity is true. They cannot both be true and saying different things. You go and figure out what's right. I hope and I pray, like Chuck made his buddy, I'll meet Ranjan someday again in Lewisham, and he say, Bertram, <laughs> you said the truth. So at least you can plant a seed. So what have you encountered? Have you encountered people telling you, ah, well, all religions are the same thing. God is supposed to be loving. They all preach love. 
If God is a God of love, what's the problem with loving your neighbors and letting them be regardless? Referring to one of the topical issues of the day. Um, <clears throat> I can't say so much more. <laughs> because we live in a very hostile environment. And I work in public service. Yeah. In one of those boroughs that's the capital of some views. All right? But <clears throat> that should be met with the question, what do you mean by that? And guess what, what's happening? Somebody else is talking, and what do you get while they're talking? Not just time to think. Uh, thanks, Pastor e. Not just time to think, but you also get an education. You get to know what this guy is talking about. You get to know their view. You get to know their view about God, if it is correct or if it is mistaken. You get to know whether they believe anything at all or whether they believe something that's true or whether they believe something that's altogether false. You get a, a, a big education. So, go out all guns blazing, like, there is a hell! <laughs> you know? <laughs> Should we go out like that, just blazing all the time? Like Jonah had to do in Nineveh, as God instructed him. I'm even imagining he's, he was screaming. He probably just walked through the town. 90 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. <laughs> he, probably just, he probably just walked coolly through the town. And then they came asking, what, dude, what's happening? Tell us what to do. <laughs> That's not assuming he was all militant. He just probably went coolly through the town. 90 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. And they, they came asking questions, you know. But... <laughs> get this. We can ask a question. We can ask that question and you get to relax. You get to chill. You're not the one trying to make a point. So why, why are you doing the work for them? You know? You're not the one trying to prove anything in those kind of inopportune opportunities. <laughs> I mean, poor, poor Mikey. He gets oranges thrown sometimes. <laughs> He's got fingers shown to him. <laughs> I, I don't want to do that here. <laughs> you know? and, and the other day I had to ask him, so he's like, oh, he doesn't have to, why does he have to push this down people's throats? And da, da, da. There's another question for that kind of response. You know? But guess what? Um, in asking questions, we get to know, first of all, what the person's about. We get to know their view. We get to make them do the work to, and, and think carefully about what it is they claim about Jesus Christ. All right? And these are carefully, probably carefully selected fights or battles, if you like. All right? Is that useful for you? You're going to go out and try it this week? 
<laughs> Somebody's listening. <laughs> what I mean by that is, <laughs> what I mean by that is, I'm inviting you back here on Thursday and we'll get to improve on this, all right? Okay. All right. Did you get that response, whoever you were? <laughs> okay. So, I mean, there's so, there's so, many, kinds of, so many kinds of questions you could ask. There are variants of that you could ask. Um, and guess what? You could... Okay. One second. Okay. <clears throat> you could you may not know anything about what they're saying. Um <clears throat> you may not know anything about what they're saying, you may not know anything about what they believe, but in all that is said so far, um, you know, in all that they say, you get to know where this person is coming from. You get to know what they're, what they're thinking about, and you get to know what their view and belief is. So it makes you even better prepared to give an apt response, an apt message, an apt talk about uh, your faith to the one you're speaking with. As we begin to round up, some other question we could ask, and this is just the very, very basics. Um, how about clearing up things that a person says that are not clear? They make ambiguous statements. Let me suggest something. <clears throat> Arguing is a virtue. Somebody giggled. <laughs> When I say arguing, right, um, I'm not thinking about, you know, full scale, blown out, throwing chairs, almost coming to fists, and about disagreements and <clears throat> raising any points um, to the point of annoying one another. But an argument is more like a process of reasoning a series of reasons, or a statement or a reason or facts for or against a point. So, my man tells me in the, in the example I gave you that, well, we all believe in the same God. And that's a bit like, it's different from making an argument, not in that sense. It's different from making an argument an argument is like you put a, you build a house in what order? How do you do it? Foundation, the walls, and then what? Just for analogy, very simple, right? But sometimes people just make claims, which is just like putting the roof down first, boom. And we just step back and let them go. And we think, oh man, the guy has a point, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but we really have to hold them to task. We really have to hold them to task. So recently, social media, confessions now. An old schoolmate puts up this 
Uh, you know these Facebook banners they're putting up now with some very brilliant, bright-colored background and then contrasting fonts? And he puts up this argument. When the church did help, it goes to the members. And he asks them for money and they help out. When the members need help, he tells them to go to God. Who saw that? <laughs> and I'm thinking, dude, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Give me an example. Wait, what exactly are you talking about? And what did I get? Silence. Like, come on now. This is, this is a public forum. You're spouting out stuff that, whoa, just creates this impression. Donald Trump will call it fake news. <laughs> you know? But guess what? You put out stuff like that, you have the responsibility to back it up. Don't just say, they say, or I heard it said. If you're making assertions or making claims, you've got to prove it. I mean, saying, saying it is one thing. Proving it is quite another. So you get people tell you, well, the Bible's just a bunch of fairy tales, or Jesus is a myth. I, don't, I mean, if I believe in Jesus, I might as well believe in reindeers. Really? Really? Question. How could, you, how could you sow a seed in such opportunities? It's, it's quite an affront, isn't it? Especially if you're a believer and not very confident or don't know so much about the historicity, big word, of Jesus. He's a real person, kind of like Michael Jackson. The Queen Mother. <laughs> Real people you can identify with. Malcolm X. There's people who, you know, build a whole thing behind that guy right now. But, boy, it seems easier to build a following behind Malcolm X or Che Guevara than it is to build a following behind Jesus Christ. Hey, come on. Question becomes then, when you get such a challenge... Come. How do I respond to that? Is it time for us to get all frothy at the mouth and like, how can you say that about Jesus? You know, getting, you know, get all hot and bothered and begin to defend Jesus like, hey, we know everything about him from where he lived, the street in Jerusalem or Nazareth where he was born, and bring it all up and throw it out. Why do the work for them? They're the one making the claim. So, think about it for a minute. Don't get all excited. Ask the question. Ask the question. What's the question? You've got to show me how you built this house. What's the basis for what you're saying? Religion has killed more people in the world than... Anything else? Really? How did you come to that conclusion? I didn't get the graphic, but Pastor Rob shared it with us um, not too long ago. Just between three guys alone, who were they? Uh, Lenin, 
uh, Chairman Mao, there was another guy, Hitler. Just between the three of them, just three of them put together have killed more people than any religious wars or crusades or whatever it is that people draw for. So please, how did you come to that conclusion? You may not know those facts, but you've got to ask the question, how did you come to that conclusion? I mean, I tell you what, we've already said it. The environment is hostile. Jesus sends us out like sheep among wolves. <clears throat> so we've got to be shrewd. Not let those opportunities pass. I mean, there's people I know who hear about business opportunities. And before you can say biz, they're gone. They're gone. They're doing the business already. They're doing it and counting their returns. You know what I mean? I, I think some people can identify with that. They're gone. <clears throat> they're investing in it, whatever it be. They will, we'll think about what it is later, but we'll invest in first. <laughs> We've got to take those opportunities. Drop seeds in there. Ask those questions. What do you mean by that? What do you mean the Bible is a bunch of fairy tales? How come you believe so much about Julius Caesar? And, but then, that's of course, you know what you're talking about. But even if you don't know, ask them questions. What do you mean by that? How do you come to that conclusion? Based on the responses you get. You see, let's conclude with this. Um, people's got to prove what they say. They've got to tell you how they came to their conclusions. Don't just let them, you know, give you cheap, easy, popular cliches. Something from, uh, what, Friends or, <laughs> or EastEnders or Family Guy. Like it's, like it's truth. Come on. <laughs> the world's having it too easy. On the church. The world's having it too easy on the church. I know the, 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 the talk about the laborers, bringing laborers into the vineyard for the harvest is, is being drummed out quite loud. But then please, all the planters as well, Take these seeds and plant. Go out and ask those questions. You may not know anything about the gospel, but the little you know, you hear people dropping things about the, 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 your Lord, about your Savior that aren't true. Ask them, ask them questions. You'd be surprised how much you learn about different worldviews out there. You'll be surprised. You'd be surprised there's a whole other world of beliefs out there. I mean, first time I met, first time I ever heard about um, these alternative Jesus stories was here in Lewisham, not too long ago. Some guy tells me, man, you don't know. How could you believe all this foolishness? He was pointing at Mikey. This is stupid. These are old stories. The Egyptians have it before. And there's another, there's about seven different guys who were like this Jesus. This is just a, a Jewish rehash. 
I'm like, I was truly, whew, man, what have I believed all these years? <laughs> and I had to ask the guy the questions. And I followed him to his car. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't get kidnapped. Because <laughs> I think that day, at the end of the day, the guys were looking for me. That was a long time. And I, I'm like, wow. But I went back home, did my research, and found that this was just a whole load of nonsense. Based on Egyptian and Greek mythology. Like, what in the world is going on out there? So, come back to the point and wrap this up. <clears throat> you know, one time in, um, in, the, in Scripture, in Mark chapter 11, Jesus is out there with Jewish leaders challenging his authority. I don't know if you remember this passage, Mark 11, verse 27 to 33. Um, I hope this is big enough. No. Is it big enough? All right. But here's the questions they're asking Jesus. By what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? It sounds common, right? It sounds like something we get asked these days. Who are you to say? Or who do you think you are? And those kinds of questions. Who gave you the authority to do these things? Who gave you the right to do them? <clears throat> and guess what Jesus does? Flips the question, asking these guys for the burden. Oh, by the way, that's what, that's, what, that's what this question is doing here, where you're asking people how they came to their conclusion. Because here are these guys challenging Jesus, but he puts the burden, he reverses the burden of proof and puts it back on them. They're challenging his authority, but he puts it back on them. And see what he does. Okay, guys, no problem. I'll answer your question. You answer me one question. John's authority to baptize, where did it come from? Did it come from heaven? Or was it merely human? Answer me. And guess what? I don't know if you watched um, University Challenge or something, where the teams are conferring, or pointless. <laughs> These guys go and start conferring. Hey, if we say, um, if we say it was from heaven, ask why don't we believe him uh, why don't we believe John and da, 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 da. They're, they're conferring but John puts the Mark puts the whole thing down there for us to see centuries after they were afraid of what the people would say if they said um, it's, it's merely human boy if we say it's merely human the people would say um, <clears throat> they'll stone us because people believe John's a prophet And the final answer was what? I can just see Chris Tarrant. <laughs> was that final answer? <laughs> and they go, we don't know. But did they know? They knew. All that time they were doing what? They were thinking about their challenge. They thought about their challenge. They reasoned it through. They thought, man... We really can't just take this guy up on this, you know. We can't just challenge him like this and say, who do you think you are? And you get those challenges like that. I mean, the lady who put a finger up to Mikey the other day, oh, not to you, put a finger up to God that the other day says, 
Who does he think he is spilling out that stuff? Why do we have to listen? Does he, why do we have to listen to this? And I'm like, sis, you don't have to listen. The guy standing there is listening of his own free will. And by the way, are you saying we should listen to you rather than to him? Who are you to tell us what to say? Who are you to tell us what to say? Are you saying your rights trump ours? You're free to express yourself and we're not? Hey, come on now. There's got to be some true tolerance around here. Hello? There's got to be some real tolerance. Let's not just be tolerant when it suits you and be intolerant when it suits, when it doesn't suit you. Come on. But you see, in asking those two simple questions, what are the questions again? First one. We're not being, I mean, I thought about the question. I thought, you know, in some contexts it could be offensive. You know, I mean, my wife was saying the other day that, why is it that we, to, we think we're watching the um, highlights of London 2017, the athletics event. And one of the commentators obviously black, of black origin, was all gestures and describing the race and da 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 And the others were just sat poised and uh, just talking calm like that, you know? So I just kind of imagine this question, what do you mean by that? In, in some context, it could look offensive, <laughs> but it's an inoffensive question. What do you mean by that? Can I ask a question? What do you mean by that? And the second question is, Oh, by the way, how did you come to that conclusion? That's simple questions, but you're driving the conversation somewhere. Time will let us carry this on, not now, but on Thursday. We'll come back and look at how we can even take this further, using questions to advance the gospel, using questions to advance the Christian agenda, okay? We can do this. You can even use questions to uncover the flaws in, in the arguments that are put forward. Oh, they're just fairy tales. Oh, really? Oh, it's just relative that, you know, you believe what's okay for you. And, oh, really? But time will not permit me to do that right now. Let me invite you again. Somebody asked, what do you mean by that? Will you practice this? Yes. What I meant was, let's get together on Thursday. Can I invite you here again? Hello? It's quiet. <laughs> Come, let's, let's, let's go into this some more on Thursday. You know? I mean, a good example of questions you used to advance. I mean, Mikey shared one brilliant question with us last week. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? So that's an inoffensive question, but it advances the gospel. It sows a seed. Let's come back and do this some more on Thursday, all right? Uh, let me close with this. I met a guy called Junior last couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, Junior, um, did you hear what that guy was saying over there, referring to Mikey? And he's... Um, uh, 
I don't believe in anything. <laughs> I'm like, Junior, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I don't believe in anything. Did you hear what you just said, Junior? He's like, yeah. I don't believe in anything. <laughs> I'm like, Junior, should I believe what you just said? Do you, you, do you believe what you're saying right now? <laughs> Sometimes we use questions as well to uncover the flaws in other people's arguments against the gospel. But in closing, I'll take us back to our prayer. Okay? And we'll close on this note. <clears throat> We're encouraged to devote ourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. In all of these asking questions, our minds must be alert. We must listen carefully to what people are saying to us. We must listen carefully to their arguments. Um, and pray with an alert mind and a thankful heart that God will give us many opportunities. And the opportunities are plenty. They arise. I am sure, and I, and I was thinking this earlier on, that the week when Joel challenged us to go out and, and preach to people and be bold, there were opportunities that presented themselves to us. We were not looking for them. In fact, we may have done a journey on ourselves and then the opportunities just arise. Boom! And we chose probably not to do anything with it. And I don't say this to bash anyone over the head with a sense of guilt. But pray that God will give us opportunities and we, that we will speak boldly concerning Christ, uh, what God's doing in Christ. And praying that we would proclaim the message as we should. These are not just tricks. They're not just gimmicks. They're not just to make us look smart or clever. Oh, I got one on you. Ha! No. It's nothing like that. That's not the intention. The purpose is to go out and plant the gospel. The purpose is to go out and plant the truth about God's kingdom. And even if it's just as Greg Coker would say, putting a stone in the shoe of the one who doesn't believe, hey, they got to stop and take that shoe off and think about what it is they have against God. And it presents opportunity for growth. It presents opportunity for them to open their heart to more of the truth so that even though we just plant, eventually some will harvest. Some will harvest. It makes the work easy. It makes the work light that we all, however insignificant, however small we may see ourselves, however ignorant, as Joe put it, however idiotic we are, <laughs> not knowing anything about Christ, we can go out planting in the Lord's vineyard. Let's pray. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.